Well, good morning. I'm Camper Mundy, associate pastor, and uh, as I've gotten to welcome some extended family uh, from far off reaches on the other side of the continent, I'd like to also welcome those of you who may uh, live a little bit closer. Uh, any of our, our guests, visitors, uh, we're glad to have you uh, here this morning. And today we finish up the gospel uh, as found in the book of Romans. We finished Romans again this week. Now, if you weren't here last week, you were probably wondering what you missed because you didn't even know we've been in the book of Romans. Well, that's because we weren't until last week. Uh, this is a, a two-part series on the very last uh, chapter, in fact, the very last few verses in the last chapter of Paul's great epistle to the church at Rome. Uh, the heading in your Bible may say doxology, uh, an expression of praise. Uh, because that's what this is, a two-part series on the doxology. Uh, it's found on page 951 if you're using the Pew Bible. And in particular, what we did last week and what we'll do again this week is we are considering why Paul would end his letter, this letter to the church at Rome, why would he end it with a profound expression of praise? Because that's really not the way that that you or that I end letters. But Paul ends his letter in this way. And why is it? And so what we're going to do, again, is we're going to use these few verses as a springboard to consider why Paul is praising God. And again, put simply, the reason that he's praising God is because of the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace, the very heart of Romans... And that's something worth celebrating. Please join me in prayer. Our good and gracious God, a God of all grace and love and mercy, we look to you today to do what only you can do, that you would open your word to us and us to your word, that you would teach not only our minds but our hearts, and that as our hearts are changed, it would overflow into lives of praise and thanksgiving as we love you and as we love one another. So would you do a work in us? We need it. Would you speak to the, the places of, of hardness in our hearts and soften them? We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans 16, uh, verses 25 through 27. Again, the very end of Paul's letter to the church at Rome, the doxology. So hear the word of God. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore, through Jesus Christ. Amen. And this is the word of God, given to us for our good and for His glory. Well, again, using the doxology as a springboard, we're going to dive back into a part of Paul's letter. Uh, continuing to review the gospel as found in Romans, uh, picking up where we left off last week, uh, considering three 
key theological terms, uh, three gospel themes, justification, adoption, and sanctification. And I realize for some of you, these are familiar words. For others of you, not so much, but that's okay, because we're going to look again at at each of them in in, in the third one uh, in a little bit more depth today. So again, if you weren't here last week, the basic gist is this, justification, Forgiven of sin and accepted by God. Adoption. Brought into God's family, embraced by Him as His beloved children. Sanctification. Increasingly made to be like Jesus. Increasingly made to be like Him and headed somewhere. Headed to wholeness, healing, perfection, to glory in Christ. So last week we looked at those first two gospel themes. We looked at justification. We looked at adoption. Uh, Today we're going to look at the third one. It's sanctification. Now if you weren't here last week, then I would encourage you at at some point uh, to go to our website and to listen to last week's sermon because the first two gospel themes really do set the stage for this third one. Because the question before us today is this. How do people change? How do people change? But before we move on, let let me summarize last week and then transition us into this week uh, using the words of Paul Tripp. Uh, Dr. Tripp is a a PCA pastor, uh, counselor, professor at uh, Westminster Theological Seminary. And he writes, Justification and adoption explain how we enter into relationship with God. In justification by faith, God declares me to be righteous based on the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Christ. In justification, Christ's righteousness is legally credited to my account. Justification removes the sin that separated me from God and gives me Christ's righteousness, making me acceptable to God and enabling me to have a relationship with Him. Okay, so that's justification. But there's more. Adoption. Adoption also involves my relationship with God. God not only justifies me, He adopts me. He embraces and welcomes me into His family with all the rights and privileges of a son. Justification and adoption give me a full and complete relationship with God. And then Tripp goes on to explain that a question arises when we consider justification and adoption. And he says, the question is this, am I okay? So in Christ, my faith in Christ, I've I've been justified and adopted, declared righteous, sin forgiven, brought into his family. Am I okay? He writes, this is a bit of a trick question. If you are talking about my standing or relationship with God, the answer is yes. Yes, I am okay. Nothing needs to be added to Jesus' work. I don't need to do anything else to secure God's acceptance. It is a free gift of His grace. But, But if you are talking about my condition as a person, the answer is no. No, I am not okay. I still struggle with sin daily, and radical change still needs to take place in me so that I can be 
and do what God has planned. Unlike justification and adoption, which are events, this work of personal transformation is a process, a process called sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which God actually makes me what he legally declared me to be in justification, holy and righteous. Okay, so let's get into the heart of the matter today. Sanctification, from justification and adoption to sanctification, increasingly made to be like Jesus. Now, Paul speaks of this in much of Romans chapters 6, 7, and 8. And again, I want to bring before us the the question that's important to, to keep in mind today. How do people change? How do people change? How do we change? How do I change? Now, I don't know about you, but if you were to take a close look at my life, you would see that it often reflects what I call a WWJD philosophy of change. You remember the bracelets? Got popular in the 90s. You put on the WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? So I get into a situation and I go, what? Ah, look at the bracelet. What would Jesus do? I answer the question and then I go do it. Now, the way that that began to play out in my life is I would look at Jesus as a good example, which he is, and then I would dig down deep and try to do what he did. But in the end, I would find out that I can't do it. Now, I might be able to fool myself for a little while, but sooner or later, whatever that sin, whatever that struggle, would just seem to rear its ugly head again. And I couldn't do what Jesus did would do. And you see, at those moments, I've missed the good news of sanctification. Because the gospel says something different. I'm going to jump back into Romans 8 for a moment. You can either just listen to these couple of verses or turn there if you'd like, but it's uh, Romans 8 verses 11 and 29. Paul writes, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, think for a moment Just how radical that first statement that I read is. That if you have faith in Christ, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Okay, this is the time of year when we're afraid of of catching various bugs, things that might dwell in us and not do so well uh, for our countenance. But... Here we are talking about the spirit of the living God. Stronger than any atomic bomb, nuclear warhead. We are talking a power beyond our wildest imagination. And at the same time, a power that is more personal than we could ever dream. And that spirit dwells in you and is at work in you. Doing what? Conforming you to the likeness of Jesus. 
Romans 8 emphasizes the indwelling Spirit who empowers us as we are conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Sanctification, again, it's the process of being transformed into His likeness where we are empowered by the Spirit who changes us and who frees us to obey, uh, to live according to God's will, to live the life we were created to live. Paul refers to this Spirit-empowered life as the obedience of faith. Okay, if, if we had more time, we would look very closely at, at how Paul bookends his letter. I'm just going to pull out one phrase right now. But the very beginning, Paul, uh, Romans chapter 1 and, and chapter 16, there, is, there are a lot of parallels. But the one we're looking at this morning is he opens and closes his letter with the phrase, the obedience of faith. And he speaks of it in terms of to the glory of God. The obedience of faith to the glory of God. Because you see, the obedience of faith is in and of itself an expression of praise. The obedience of faith is a doxology. And, and we talk about that here. We pray about that from time to time. One of our, our prayers that we use in our liturgy is that we would honor God, not only with our lips, but also with our lives. In fact, what we speak from our lips, there would be integrity with what is happening in our hearts and the fruit that is being born in our lives as we relate to God, as we relate to each other. The obedience of faith. Now, I realize that we really don't like the word obedience very much. Now, we might like it if it was in terms of someone being obedient to us. If you are in obedience to me, I got no problem with that. But if it's about me being in obedience to you or you being obedient to someone else, we don't like that. Why? Because we think that way because we live in a fallen world where authority and power are often abused. But it is not that way with God. The obedience of faith is not oppressive, but freeing. Because it's living the life we were created to live. Okay, think about it this way for a moment. Think of a fish. A fish in a body of water. The fish is free. Yes, there are certain boundaries. But the fish is free to live the life it was created to live. Now, someone might argue that fish is not truly free until that fish can be out of the water and on land. Well, is the fish out of water free? No, it's dead. Yes, we are called to obedience, but hear very carefully the way Paul phrases it. It's a call to the obedience of faith, not the obedience of self-reliance. Not the obedience of self-effort, but the obedience of faith in Jesus. Our following Jesus and growing into his likeness flows from a heart that trusts in him, that is dependent on him. It's a, it's a trusting obedience, as a, uh, a friend of mine once put it. Or a repentant faith, or, or maybe more accurate, a repenting faith. A faith that over and over again acknowledges my heart's wandering from God and from the gospel. In asking God to continually align my heart, to point me to Him, that I would trust and that I would trust more. A repentant faith. 
In the words of uh, PCA missionary Josiah Bancroft, uh, he speaks of as we're living in a repentant faith. And he says, as we live in a repentant faith, we will have a decreasing confidence in ourselves and an increasing confidence in the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. A decreasing confidence in ourselves, which is a good thing, because in and of myself, I cannot do it. You cannot do it. You can fool yourself for a while. But when the rubber meets the road, you can't do it. But the flip side, the good news, is that our our confidence increases in God's faithfulness, in God's ability, in His work, the Holy Spirit, who is transforming our lives. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwelling in you and in me. Our church's statement of faith summarizes it this way. Sanctification is the ongoing work of God's free grace by which our whole person is made new in the image of God. And we are made more and more able to become dead to sin and alive to righteousness. Okay, so what, what does this look like then? What does this look like in, in, in my, my daily life? Well, uh, a few years ago, I, I came across this illustration that I found very helpful and began to, to bridge justification and adoption uh, in, into my understanding of, of sanctification and God's work in my life. And it comes from William Temple. Uh, William Temple, some of you may know, was the the Archbishop of Canterbury in the the 1940s. Uh, And he used to illustrate the point this way. It is no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I can't. And it is no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it, I can't. But, if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like that. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could learn to live a life like that. And this is the secret of Christian sanctification. It is not that we should strive in and of ourselves to live a life like Jesus, but that He, by His Spirit, should come and live in us. That He, by His Spirit, should come and change us. To have Him as our example is not enough. We need Him as our Savior. And we must live in constant dependence on Him as we learn to live the obedience of faith. And that's the beautiful news of sanctification. That's something worth celebrating. But this is one of the gospel realities, as I I mentioned last week. I, I struggle to live in the reality of justification. I struggle to live in the reality of adoption. I have trouble living in this gospel reality too. Why? Because I forget that I'm a person in process. And when someone reminds me that I'm a person in process, I really don't like that. I'd rather just download it all and have arrived. Can you relate? I'd like to download it all so that I could just go ahead and get it right and get it right 
now. For example, I've been thinking through a particular area in my life where I've been struggling with anger and bitterness for some time. Uh, it's, a, it's a consistent struggle. Uh, I've, I've often gotten discouraged because I'll, I'll run up into the, the situations that start to push those buttons. And the anger and the bitterness, they just they, they, they well up, and so I get discouraged. I will think that I have turned a corner, and I'll start to feel good about myself. And the next thing I know, rearing its ugly head is back again. And so I will beat myself up over that. But through the encouragement of, of some friends to, to live in this repentant or repenting faith, uh, to look to Jesus, to trust in Him, not just when I first came to faith, but as I live out my faith day in and day out, through repentance and prayer and in God's Word and in relationship with people who are, are speaking the gospel into my heart, who are accepting me as I am, a broken, sinful person, and yet who refuse to leave me there because they point me to Jesus who is at work in my life. Praying with and for me. So again, consistent struggle. But then a couple of weeks ago, uh, some situations arose that began to push these buttons again. And, and I really wasn't paying attention to those situations. And then I, I was taking a walk. It was a, it was a beautiful uh, afternoon. And now that we have extended our parking lot, I can actually take a walk in the day and get twice as much of a walk-in than I used to be able to before we extended it. But I, I was just walking around the parking lot. And all of a sudden, it was as if the Holy Spirit prompted me of those situations that I had recently been in and allowed me to see that, yeah, there's still some anger and bitterness, but also to recognize that the intensity, that the frequency was decreasing. In other words, that there's been growth in grace. That there's been growth in the obedience of faith. And that led me to giving thanks and praise to God. Now, did I turn the corner? Have I arrived? Do I no longer struggle? No, that's not it. I still struggle. And you know, I will probably struggle until the day Jesus returns or takes me home. But you know what? I've also been experiencing real hope and real change because the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is at work in my life. Now, what about you? Where are you discouraged or maybe just flat out in denial? But discouraged, forgetting that God is at work in you. Maybe you're relying on your strength to make life work. In fact, maybe you've not even come to faith in Christ. Because that's a crutch. That's for weak people. I can do this on my own. Where are you in all of this? For those of you who are followers of Jesus, have you given up fighting temptation? I have called on God over and over again to deliver me from X, Y, or Z and I'm just not seeing it, why bother? And maybe you're beating yourself up because you're not where you'd like to be. My friends, there is hope, very real hope, a living hope dwelling within you, bringing about real hope 
and real change. As we embrace the gospel in sanctification, we discover, we are reminded, we become more convinced that God is at work in us, bringing about this real hope and this real healing. And knowing that God is faithful to complete the work that he began in us. And when will that work be completed? Go to the beginning of Philippians. At the day of Christ Jesus, the day that Jesus returns and makes all things right. Now there's much more that could be said about sanctification. But for today, what I want us to hear is this. We are people in process. I'm in process, you're in process. I need you to be patient with me. I need you to be patient. We need to be patient with each other. I need to be patient with you. We are people in process. Also, I want to remind you, remind us that God is at work. And then to touch on a little bit from last week. The beautiful thing about our sanctification is that our growth takes place within the context of sonship. Being beloved children of God. Children who are deeply loved by God. Again, as we talked about last week, not tolerated, not put up with, but embraced and delighted in. And children called to live in dependence on Him who provides for all our needs. You know, I mentioned earlier when we were doing the baptism, that, that, that baptism, as both of our sacraments are, are a gift to the whole church, the gospel on display for us. And so think back just a little earlier in the service. Little Holland Marie. Is she accepted and embraced as a beloved child by her parents, Jess and Cora? Yes, she is. Now, will she continually need to depend on them as they provide for her? Yes, she will. And will she continue to grow and develop in the years to come? Yes, she will. And so it is with us and our Heavenly Father. The one who takes great delight in us. The one who, when we stumble and fall, doesn't berate us. But picks us up and enjoy, helps and encourages and speaks the good news of His love into our hearts, that we would take a few more steps as we learn to walk in the obedience of faith. In fact, in, in just a moment, we'll be fed by him at his table, the Lord's table. Again, the gospel on display for us. In fact, invited to the table of the gospel to taste and to see that our faith might be strengthened, that our hearts might be fed and strengthened and encouraged as we grow in grace and the obedience of faith. Again, Paul Tripp. God doesn't justify and adopt me because I am okay, but precisely because I am not okay. He knows that lasting change will take place in me only when I am living in a personal relationship with Him. In His magnificent love, He makes that relationship a reality. Only those who have a relationship with God through justification and adoption will undergo the radical change process 
of progressive sanctification. Without the relationship, there is no real change. Without the relationship, there is no personal change. Our relationship with God is the beginning of our salvation, not the end. Justification, adoption, sanctification. The gospel of grace. Gospel realities that are ours through faith in Christ. By grace, through faith, we are forgiven of sin and accepted by God. By grace, through faith, we have been brought into God's family, embraced by Him as His beloved children. And by grace, through faith, we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And we can live with the hope and the assurance that one day we will look just like Him. Perfection, wholeness, glory. Being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And my friends, that is something worth celebrating. And so with the Apostle Paul, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forever and ever and ever through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.